Matthew chapter 17. And you can also turn in your Bibles, just put a marker. If you're taking notes, you can write down Daniel chapter 1. We're going to quickly breeze through Daniel 1 and 2 and then settle into chapter 3 by the end. And, and I still got first service out of here by 1030, and I will strive to do my best to do the same right here. In Matthew 17, the disciples have this little boy, and, and this little boy is going through something that's bigger than what they have the ability to deal with. Any of you ever gone through something or, or, or experienced something or maybe even had a friend or a loved one uh, that was going through something that seemed bigger than what you had the ability to deal with? Well, that's where the disciples were, right? And the disciples did the only thing that they knew to do when they didn't know how to deal with it. They, they took it to the person that they trusted, uh, you know, and as a teenager, if you will, or, or maybe even just a younger person, um, you may take this to your parents, you know, you may take this to your, your mom or your, your dad or, or your grandparents. Or, you know, if, if, you're, if you're smart, you'll go to, like, your feel sorry for you all the time aunt. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you had that. Maybe you, you go to your, your grandmother that lives in a town a long ways away from you that doesn't have to deal with you all the time and feel sorry for you no matter what. Right? So, baby, I'll send you money. I'm just going to put a credit card in the mail with your name on it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So this is what the disciples did. The disciples decided, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to confide in Jesus because we think he can deal with it. You know, so they go to Jesus and, hey, man, we've got this dad that, like, man, he's been throwing this kid in the fire. <laughs> like, he's trying to drown his own son, and he doesn't have the faith to believe to help him. And, and he brought the kid to us, and the kid's still freaking out. Like, we prayed over him 17 times, but he's still losing it, and, and he hasn't been delivered. Like, we have this desire. We just don't know how to deliver and so they go to Jesus, and they confide in him. But, you know, maybe, maybe it's a husband, okay, or a wife. You go to your spouse. You know, you're seeking, you're seeking the compassion in confiding in that person. But instead of finding compassion, you find uh, correction. <laughs> like, okay, so Kelsey and I, my sister Kelsey Wilson-Weaver, uh, it's still hard for me when I, I just have her name is Kelsey and I have to make myself Weaver. It's been like, what, how many years now? But we're a whole lot, five years. Wow. We're a whole lot alike when it comes to like when something frustrates us. We were used to being able to go to our mama and, and she liked to just listen and, and just love on us and just, you know, just empathize and just, oh, Oh, and then sometimes she'd get on the phone. My baby came to me, you know, something holy rose up in her, and she would begin to handle it for us. And so we're kind of used to that, and so we expect, you know, rightfully or not, but we kind of expect that same thing from our spouses. And Pastor Weston and, and my shepherdess that God has given me in just such a sweet little tiny package, she comes, you know, and, and I go to her, and instead of being like our mom was, um, they're, they're more like Jesus in this passage. <laughs> Instead of like compassion, they begin to give correction or advice. And man, that honestly, it goes over, I mean, just like poop in a punch bowl. I mean, just, it just don't go over. Well, like onions and fruit salad. I should have said the second one first and not just forgot for a second. Uh, youth ministry, forgive me. Okay. But it just doesn't go over, man. So they're learning they're learning how to have just to listen and, and let us vent and et cetera. And that's what the disciples are going to do to Jesus right now. But instead of compassion, they found correction. You know, they found Jesus ready to discipline them. 
And, and here's what Jesus says in verse 20. Because of your unbelief, assuredly I say to you, Jesus is dealing with their doubt. He's dealing with their doubt and their inability to believe him even in the midst of their ability to deliver or see themselves through a certain situation. Jesus dealing with their doubt, probably compassionately, but nonetheless, because Jesus was full of grace and truth all at the same time. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you, just, if, if you let your faith increase, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain. So a lot of times we look and like, nobody's ever moved a mountain before. Nobody's ever spoke faith into the... But man, I, I know some people that were carrying some mountains, and they've been delivered I know some people that felt like the weight of the world wasn't on their shoulders. It was on their chest, and they couldn't breathe. And it was through following Jesus that they found the faith to come out on the other side of that thing. And the mountain was removed from their life. In fact, it was turned into a river that gave them life that they would have never had had they not gone through the valley carrying the mountain. You understand what I'm saying? The faith. Of a mustard seed. You say that mountain, get off of me. Get out of my way. You're not going to hinder me. You're not going to hold me. It'll move. And nothing will be impossible. But here's what Jesus is saying there. Okay? This kind of faith is more than just a salvation faith. This kind of faith is going to require a little bit more from you than you just accepting what I've already paid for. It's more than you just receiving salvation and getting your ticket into the kingdom. To have the faith to move a mountain is going to require something in return. Now you received my salvation, but now you have a newfound responsibility. Because I trust you, I'm going to give you some responsibility. You have this new thing, and it's going to require some faith on your part. And when you have that faith, nothing will be impossible however. This kind does not come except by prayer and by fasting. I am challenging you and even encouraging you today to discover your however. In the midst of your pain and your discomfort, would you discover your however? In the midst of your distraction and your doubt, would you discover your however? In the midst of your sorrow, possibly even your sin, you need to discover a however. And if you have something that's hindering you and holding you back, if you can discover your however and pray and fast over that thing, it will get off of you and stop holding you back from what God has in front of you. But you got to discover your however. And the way that you do that is by adding obedience to what's already been bought. By prayer and by fasting. When we believe His Word in this series, this What If series, when we believe His Word, nothing is impossible. We can believe for His best even when it seems like the worst. So today we ask the question, what if God's best seems worse? What do we do? Well, we stay in Him. We stay connected to Him. We continue to live out our what if. 
We believe God for his glory. We recognize that the attack is from the enemy and not from the kingdom of God. We welcome the pruning. We welcome God pruning things off of us and removing things from our lives that should not be or do not have to be so that we can move forward with him. We keep on keeping on. And it's not because we have the ability to. It's because he's paved the way for us. Nothing is impossible. We believe, we recognize, we welcome. See, in the midst of the worst, even when it's supposed to be better, and I believe actually that just because American culture centers upon the American dream, and Christianity, if we're not careful, could become so prosperity-oriented. And I believe in the blessings of God that follow the obedience of man. I do believe that. I believe it. It's in James. It's in the Old Testament. The New Testament's everywhere. But if we're not careful, we can become so focused on prosperity that we forget that there's some persecution that comes along in this thing. But thank God we serve the person that's been bigger than the persecution. We serve the person that weighs no matter according to what scale. He doesn't use the scale of the world. He weighs prosperity according to his kingdom. And prosperity in his kingdom can be a position that we wouldn't have received had we not gone through the pain to get there. That what if God's best actually seems worse? Well, Miss Debbie Guillory, she's our office manager here. Her husband is Joe Guillory, and, and you, need, you guys need to meet them just as I want you to meet them just as much as, as our staff. I want you to know them. Um, and also, Joey Johnson and Gwen Johnson are, are our other elders. We have two elders in the church. These guys are appointed for life, they serve as kind of a spiritual oversight for the pastor here at New Hope. And, uh, and they're also part of the board, but, but Joe Guillory and Debbie Guillory, and also every time I just, I just feel like I was supposed to, and she's serving in the back in this service, but she was sitting in here. Also, Miss Sandra Smith answers the phone and does a lot of uh, administrative type work for us up front and just kind of keeps us in line, is always available for all the rest of the pastors on staff as well. And one of the things that she did, if you notice, um, I'm, I'm careful I don't want to make fun of anything that we had because somebody might have like donated and that to us, and I'm thankful that for the donation. But we replaced that the other TBN bottle. Um, look at me, lion bottle is kind of what we called it. I'm sorry. If you gave that, we love you and thank you. But, but we replaced the, the other bottle with just these little more conspicuous uh, inconspicuous bottles of oil. And, and I know Miss Sandra donated those bottles and she just got them and donated them to us. And then I know her just well enough. I know that she, she prayed over every ounce of oil that she poured in to those bottles. And they, they don't represent, I mean, they don't mean anything. There's nothing special about the oil except for the fact that it does represent just the Holy Spirit and God's ability and God's anointing. So Miss Debbie, speaking of anointing, this is how those tie together. Miss Debbie came to me and she said, I feel like God gave me an acronym. And I was like, Okay, when Miss Debbie talks, I listen. It's just this one of the things, especially when she talks about inviting me to eat her food. Yay! So I'm just, I'm all eyes, ears, and mouth, and belly, all at the same time. But this time she was, I have an acronym, and she's like, God gave me this, and I don't even really know what it means, but maybe you will. She said, God gave me app. And so Miss Debbie's not like the most technologically savvy person in the church. 
Okay, so the, the fact that God gave her app, A-P-P, I was like, okay, what's it mean? <laughs> so she said this. She believes it's not only for us, but our church, that the A represents anointing. And the P represents power. And the final P represents presence. And, and I want you really honestly, you need to write this down. You need to remember this because I really feel like that this is more than just what, what God's word has already been. Um, but it's tying it together and giving us something specific to turn to. We have apps on our phone that we turn to in a time of need. And so spiritually, Miss Debbie gave me this, and I'm sharing it in the message because I believe that spiritually, this is an app that we can turn to in our time of need. The A represents anointing. And that's according to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, when Jesus actually gives the prophecy by Isaiah that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We defined anointing a couple of weeks ago. It's not just, some, not just some super spiritual, mystical thing that's only available for special people. That's not, that's not it. It's available to all. And the anointing is really just God's hand on your life. God's favor upon you. Or God's spirit within you. Because watch this. This is how he defines anointing. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news, or to preach the gospel to the poor, whether in, in position or, or finance or whatever, to the poor in spirit, emotionally, physically. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. That's God's anointing. That's what happens when you receive God's anointing. When you open the app and understand, I'm pursuing not just a feeling, not just an experience, but God's hand upon my life. His anointing sets the captives free. Bring good news in the midst of sorrow. Releases you from any bondage and opens your eyes to a new perspective that you would not have had otherwise. Then there's power. Hey, uh, I love it. See, you may want to, if you don't know, like a lot of people think our church is non-denominational, which is fine. About half of us are. Um, but, but our church is actually affiliated with the Assemblies of God. And, and so we, Assemblies of God predominantly, historically, was connected to the charismatic movement or the Pentecostal movement. Not United Pentecostal necessarily, but, but just the Pentecostal movement as a whole. And, and uh, you can find all that out in Next Steps. On February 4th, if you would like to join us for Next Steps, we'll connect you or let you know what we believe and, and help you discover who you are and how you may plug in and connect. If you haven't done that, please sign up and do that. Welcome. Thank you, Pastor Weston, for overseeing that as our connections pastor. But power. The Pentecostals, man, we know how to preach on power. We know how to do that. Guess power. I mean, you start singing that song, you get the right chord with the right instrumentalist and the right vocalist, may or may not be. You get the go power, power, wonder working, and somebody going to stand up somewhere. And usually, it, for whatever reason, they know to sit in the aisle chair. It ain't never nobody in the middle. It's somebody in the aisle. And then they come out in the aisle, and they do this thing called the Pentecostal shuffle, where they run, but they don't go anywhere. They're moving but they're not making any way. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But baby, that ain't power. That's emotion. And, and, it, and it's good emotion. It's not necessarily negative. But if we're not careful, 
We can affiliate power only with an emotional experience that doesn't affect eternity. It's just a bunch of people coming together, having a whole lot of feelings, expressing a whole lot of stuff, and then leaving and having no life change that makes a difference in anybody except themselves. And their family turns bitter because they see brother super spiritual out in the aisle, but he can't hold his tongue at the house. Mm, my bad. Hang on. Power. What is it? Well, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. And just for the record, I know our doctrine. And I don't believe our doctrine because it's our doctrine. I'm assembly of God because of what I believed. I'm not believing because I'm assembly of God. And I understand that I don't believe that anything that Jesus has to offer ceased when the apostles died. I believe that everything that Jesus walked in is still alive and available for his people today. And if somebody with a doctorate degree or a not doctorate degree, maybe they got a dumb degree. I don't really care what it is. They can come talk to me and we can all sit down in scripture and I love to discuss these things. But I'm telling you, if you want to stop believing some of the things that are in the Bible, then that's perfectly fine with me. But as for me and my house, we're going to believe for everything that God has made available and we're going to pursue it until we see it and if we don't see it until we get to heaven then so be it but I'm not going to stand before Jesus and explain why I stopped believing things that he wrote down in scripture Paul said for us who's it available to for us who believe him well he's not talking to a discipleship small group he's not talking to a bunch of apostles he's talking to the church in Ephesus it is available to you if you believe. Everything that Jesus has to offer is available to you. He is just as alive and well today as he was when Peter, Paul, and John, and all of them were walking the earth. Now, every one of them were martyred for their faith. Because a little bit more of the kingdom is going to always require a little bit more. Come on. We want all the power. We don't want nothing to do with the persecution. Paul said this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Listen, you can have all the anointing and all the power that you want. And you can be just like Judas. Walk around and perform many miracles in his name. Cast out demons in his name. But when you stand before him, he looks at you plainly and says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You never knew me because you didn't get his presence. You pursued a feeling, you pursued an experience, you pursued your own glory, you pursued it selfishly, but you forgot to fall in love with Jesus and the presence of God. Because Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, this is the English Standard Version, I just mix it up a little bit, it just said the way that I really wanted to communicate it today. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Just, I missed this in first service. It just came to me right now. David's talking to God, or the psalmist is talking to God. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Somebody tell me, who's seated at the right hand of God? So where's our pleasure found? In Him. Because that's who's at the right hand. And it's not just for now, it's forever and more. That's what God has for us. 
In the scripture, Daniel chapter 1, we see this story of the Israelites being taken into captivity. Actually, it's read about, you can read about it in 1 Kings. And Nebuchadnezzar comes against the nation of Israel and he takes all the Israelites into captivity. And there's this one young man who had three close friends, and his name is Daniel. And he has three close friends. They were Hebrew boys, and their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And Hananiah means God's favor. Mishael means none like my God, and Azariah means Yahweh has helped me. And these are the, the names given by God to his sons, his Hebrew sons. And they're taken captive, and, and then there's some who are selected and set aside to serve the king. They're, they're taken aside, just some of them taken aside, and, and they're, they're designated only to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, here's what it says. Select only the strong and the healthy and good-looking young men. I, I would have been taken. I'm out. I mean, he's... Nebuchadnezzar just swiped me up, and, and my wife and, and my sister both, and, and anybody else, my mother-in-law, anybody else that knows me, it's just a little bit of the, the old man kind of shining through right here, but, but they just looked at me first service, this little cross look, she got her little lips looking at me like that, and I was like, girl, don't look at me like that. You know it wasn't the anointing of the Lord that made you take that second look when I walked by in that t-shirt the first time in college. It wasn't like, oh, I bet he loves Jesus. No, it was like, boo, boy. <laughs> that's what hit her like that wasn't it wasn't the spirit of the Lord that was upon me I wasn't even living for God okay this strong healthy good-looking young man now gravity's working <laughs> all kind of weird stuff wife asked me if I ever work out my abs when I work out that's crazy that's a true story it said make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good... Guys, I'm out. Yeah, I'm telling you. Gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. All right, all joking aside. So Daniel and, and the three Hebrew boys, they're selected. Apparently, they fit the criteria. And then we see Daniel call these guys to a fast. In fact, he, he goes to the servant of the king that was, that was over, over them... And he asked to not have to eat from the king's table. What he's doing is, let's catch this. He's asking to not have to consume or put into his body everything that the world has to offer. See, so for them it was food, but for us it, it's commercials. Billboards. Come on, somebody. Locker room talk, whatever else it could be, whatever it is that we consume, and I'm not calling TV the one-eyed devil with a tail, but we have ratings for a reason. That's so the people of God will know immediately what to watch and what not to watch. And then if you don't believe in the ratings enough, then you can always go into PluggedIn.com or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever else. Just Google the movie and find out why it's rated what it's rated. And if you let that stuff in your house, don't be surprised that it's manifested when it comes to pass. I'm just, 
You, you can't absorb those things and let them in because the, the Bible says that the eye is the lamp of the whole body and whatever goes in the eye makes the body good or evil. But if good comes in, come on, if good comes in, then the whole body's good. If evil comes in, the whole body's evil. We have a bunch of Christians trying to figure out why they keep stumbling in the same old sin. Stop consuming the same old stuff. Come on, somebody. Don't keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. I'm back. Hang on. Daniel fasted. He watched what he let in. And the Bible says he, he ate basically only vegetables. Maybe, today we call it a Daniel fast, and we eat all kinds of stuff. But <laughs> then it was, it was a Daniel fast, and he ate only vegetables, essentially, or things from the vine, the Bible says, and, then, uh, and drank only water. He had no wine. And then in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. Y'all know this story. You've seen it. You've heard it. But just breaking it down. I don't, want to take, I don't want to make any assumptions. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And, and his guys, the other guys that ate from his table, they can't decipher the dream. Watch that. They don't know what's going on. And every person that can't tell him what he dreamed and what it means, he executes. And Daniel's watching this happen. He knows it's only a matter of time till it's his turn. You ever, ha- you ever watch things in life and you're just wondering, man, when's it my turn? So what did Daniel do? He didn't just worry about it. He prayed about it. Can I tell you that if it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about? Come on. So Daniel didn't just worry about it. He prayed about it. He had fasted. He was ready. He was prepared, so he prayed. And watch, God told him what the dream meant. God gave him the perspective that could only have come from him. And Nebuchadnezzar is so impressed by Daniel's ability that he appoints Daniel over the entire province of Babylon. And he puts the three Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, in charge of all the affairs. Guys, everything is looking good. For the Hebrew boys, everything is looking good for the sons of God. Everything is looking good. They have fasted and found favor. Come on. They have prayed and been positioned. And then all of a sudden, God's best comes hidden in the absolute worst that the enemy and the world has to offer because the king gives an edict. Come on, teenagers. You know what I'm talking about. You went to youth camp last year. Or you were in youth service just over the past year and God did something incredible in your life. You remember when you first got saved, when you first gave your heart to God, the Holy Spirit moved on you. You remember the first time you felt the fire of his presence land upon you and you began to speak as he gave you utterance. You remember that time, but then the king gave an edict. The enemy came upon you and you questioned God instead of recognizing the attack. They did the same. Daniel chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to read a lot of scripture quickly. Nebuchadnezzar's edict is this. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, in case we leave anything out, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. See, the enemy wants you to worship anything but God. 
And let's not judge all the Israelites for bowing to gold when we as Americans have replaced gold with the American dream and forgot to win anybody to the kingdom in the last 20 years. When the church is more concerned about their own personal comfort than they are the comforter moving in the life of an individual that could potentially become a child of God, we can't sit back in judgment and go, well, they should have known better. Verse 15, he said, I'll give you one more chance. I'm sorry. Go to verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar says to these three guys, because if they don't do that, they're going to be thrown into the furnace. In verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar says to these guys, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? He's no longer calling them by their Hebrew names. In fact, Shadrach means under a coup. It no longer means uh, favor of God. Meshach means there's no one like a coup, where Michel meant there's no one like our God. And Azariah, before it meant Yahweh helped, but now he's called Abednego, which means slave of Nebo, Babylonian God, pronouncing death over them. He said, is it true? You refuse to serve my gods? Or to worship the gold statue of I set up? Verse 15, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the fire, into the blazing furnace. And then, watch this, what God will be able to rescue you? Just circle that real big. Nebuchadnezzar says, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Now listen, I find it interesting that Daniel's writing this book, and yet he refers to these guys not as their Hebrew name, but as their Babylonian name. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. This is their reply. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, can you hear the sarcasm? I just hear sarcasm and everything. Just roll with it for a second. Let's just assume. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God. See, Nebuchadnezzar called him what God? Because he'd never met him before. He, Nebuchadnezzar called him what God? Because he'd never experienced his power before. Nebuchadnezzar called him what God? Because he thought that current condition meant, meant permanent condition in his life. He said, what God? We'll be able to rescue you. But the Hebrew boys remembered who they were. They remember who they serve. And they said, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Even in the midst of the storm, he's able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Why did they call him the God? Why did Daniel refer to them as their, by their Babylonian name? Why is this book written and recognizing what is Nebuchadnezzar doing when he renames these boys? Can I tell you that it doesn't matter what the enemy pronounces over you or calls you. It doesn't even matter what the church announces. The people that you love the most that are closest to you pronounce over you or call you. God remembers who he created you to be. He never forgot that Hananiah was the one that was prophesied over to have his favor. And me 
Michelle was the one that was named because there is no one like the God of Michelle. And Azariah would be helped by Yahweh in his deepest moment and his time of need. Even the church, Daniel, didn't recognize the name that God had bestowed upon him. The enemy refused to recognize it. But God said, I have made a way where there seems to be no way because you stood in the face of the trial, the temptation, the persecution. You stared the enemy in the face and you said, my God can and my God will, but whether he does or whether he doesn't, I will never bow my knee to anything that this old world has to offer. I will never bow my knee to anything that the enemy brings against me. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus because that's who I'm going to follow and I refuse to worship anything else. That's who I am. It's my name. It's what he pronounced over me. Nothing is impossible. I can't, I just can't. I done experienced something. I can't just nothing. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. That's significant. See, he tried to punish them seven times more because the enemy knows that every time he robs something from you and you realize it, you recognize it, and you call it out in the name of Jesus, he is bound by the word of God to restore it unto you seven times more than what he tried to take away. Verse 20, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throw them in the fire. So they tied them up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, this is how I read the Bible yesterday. Man, my group finished fast, y'all. Tell him. I was like, it don't say how slow you're supposed to read. We just get speaking the word. 22, because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire, the flames killed the soldiers as the three, as they threw the three men in. Verse 23, so Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego were securely tied and thrown into the fire. Verse 24. But suddenly, when you discover your however, there's always a but suddenly on the other side of your prayer and your fasting. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement, even the enemy has to exclaim. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. We certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth one looks like a god. Hang on, hang on. You stay in the anointing. You stay in the power, and you stay in His presence. Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They probably were like, he ain't talking to me. He done forgot who I am. He says, servants of the Most High God. Oh, he is talking to me. He done recognized who I actually am. Come out of the fire. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego step 
out of the fire. Verse 27, then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. I'm telling you, when you will follow Jesus, even if it's into the midst of the fire, what feels like a furnace, even when God's best seems like the worst, he can let you walk through the fire and you come out smelling like roses on the other side. It was supposed to turn you into ashes, but it makes you beautiful. It was supposed to make you mourning and sorrowful, but it brought you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It was supposed to bind you, make you doubt and despair, but it brought you a song that you didn't even know was inside of you, and you replaced the pressure of this life with the praise of the child of God. That's what happens when you follow Jesus, even in the valley, even in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to God. Oh, wait. What God? The God. He ain't saying what God. They'll stop saying what God. Because they can argue with your interpretation of Scripture, but they can't argue with your story. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make this degree. If any people, whatever the race, nation, language, or tongue, speak against the word of the God, they will be torn from limb to limb. Their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There's no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king, the enemy, he was bound by the word of God, promoted them, to seven times more than what he thought he was going to steal from them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up in an even higher position in the province of Babylon. When we live our what if, especially when it seems worse than God's best, Jesus shows up. The enemy is shown up God receives glory, and we become his story in the midst of the fire. My God's going to show up, and he'll take me through the fire again. So just hold on. My God's going to show up, and he'll take me through the fire again one more time I said just hold on my God's gonna show up and he'll take me through the fire again hallelujah father we bless you because we believe in you and if you'll follow Jesus the fire even when it feels worse, will actually bring reason and purpose. Your pain will position you for a platform you would have never received otherwise. Jesus, right now, quickly, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, I pray right now that they would come to know you before it's everlasting too late. Because we have the decision to be either consumed by the fire of God 
or the fire of separation from God. And so right now, I pray that we would recognize our inability, recognize our sin, recognize our disobedience, and recognize our doubt, even our lack of faith. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, if there's anybody in here that needs to receive salvation, I pray that they would just recognize and receive. If I'm talking to you, whether the first time or the first time in a long time, you're not confident in who you are in Christ because you know that you need to confess Him as Lord of your life and receive His salvation. If I'm talking to you, again, first time or first time in a long time because you know that you hadn't been following Him, it doesn't matter to me. If we're talking to you, if the Holy Spirit's turning you and stirring in you and you know He's talking, He's, he's wanting to minister to you right now, would you just lift your hand right where you are? All you're doing is saying, Pastor, I just want to be included in the prayer. I want to receive salvation. Thank you. Anybody else? I know I need to receive. Thank you. Thank you. The Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you need to call upon his name right now? Am I talking to you? Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, include me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I knew we had a few more. Anybody else? Thank you. Church, can I ask you this question? Believer and unbeliever alike, everybody in the house, God divinely appointed for you to be here today. If you needed this message, and right now you need God to give you his perspective that's more powerful than any persecution. You needed to believe and remember that you can follow Jesus through the fire and find God's faithfulness on the other side. If that was for you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I want to be in that prayer. I need to be in that prayer. Thank you. Anybody else? Church, would you pray this with me right now? Because we believe that God hears our prayer. Jesus, forgive us for all the times that we fall short. Help us to believe right now. Save us. Take my life. Make it yours. Fill my heart with a desire to follow you. Everything I have no matter the cost. I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So just hold on. My God's gonna show up and he'll take you through the fire again. Come on, somebody stand with me today. Now tonight, listen, I was doing that on purpose because I, I will give credit where credit's due. Like, I love to sing, and I like it a lot, and it probably doesn't sound nearly as good online as it does in my shower, okay? I'm just saying. But there is one dude that I give more credit than anybody to be able to sing that song and do it justice, and he's going to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. His name is Jason Crab. I want you to come and bring your family. I know the video said 5.30, but our doors will be open at 5.15 to 5 o'clock. With this place, I believe this place is going to be packed. It's going to be a great night. We're about to add chairs right now. We are believing not only for a great evening, but to promote this sanctuary and this church, our momentum, 
Freedom Conference and everything that God is moving in and doing. And people cannot argue with your story. So make sure that you tell them about it. Thank you for being here today. If you raised your hand for the first time to receive salvation or you have a prayer request, there's a Connect card in the pews or chairs in front of you. We don't have pews. Glory, because those things are not as pretty. Okay, so uh, we have these cards in front of you, and you just put your name on that card and let us know the decision that you made so that we can connect with you because I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I love evangelism, and I know I shouldn't forsake the work of evangelists, but it's important for us that we connect with you and, and you put your name on that card. Let us know what's going on because we don't want you to just come to the altar. We want you to come back to church. We want you to get plugged in. We want to be a part of your lives. We want to grow with you, and we want to see you Know God and make Him known. Amen? Hey, if that was you, take this time right now to fill out that card. If you're comfortable with this, or you can stand beside somebody that is comfortable with it. If you're not, then you just open your hands like I'm handing you a present. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. We're going to get ready for tonight. It's going to be a good one planned for it. I do need to let you know we're not going to have child care in the back tonight, okay? So we're not doing that. I'm going to let all those people enjoy Jason Crab just like you get to. So make plans, other arrangements. If it's worth it, you'll pay for it instead of making me do it. All right. Jesus, I thank you, Lord. And I pray that you would bless your people and make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance and give us your peace.